0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch
1: up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be discussing Eileen and the Good Place. Warning spoilers ahead. Hey, Kat. Hi, Remy. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. It's been an
0: interesting week, but I had a really awesome weekend when I saw you yeah, and our mutual friend when you
1: guys came into the city. Yeah, that was so fun. Yeah, we came in on the train three days in a row. And Mm -hmm. we were absolutely zonked by the end of it. (laughs) But it was amazing. And it was like really packed with all kinds of good things. The first day... We went to the Met and then we got pizza. Cause of course you have to get pizza when you're in the city. And then you have to. on Sunday, we got tattoos. We went to Brooklyn and went to Olivia Shoe and did some of her flash designs. So that was really fun. I got like a line, like a thin line train. Mm -hmm. With, like, all of the power lines and stuff around it.
0: How does that work exactly, the flash tattoos? Oh, um, do you, like, have a flash sheet you choose from? Is that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, usually they, like, post them on their social media. And Mm -hmm. then you can reach out and see if the designs are still available. So, some artists will only do a given flash design a single time so that it's unique. But some of them, they'll say, like, oh, this is a repeatable one. Mm -hmm. And so I messaged her a couple days before our tattoo and just said, like, we really like these two flash sheets. Can you let us know which ones are still available from these? And then Mm -hmm. we hadn't decided until we, like, actually got to the studio. And then you can choose. But yeah, it was really cool. She was doing all of her designing in real time on like her iPad, which was oh really really fascinating because like she was like oh well I could simplify it in this way, and then she would like take off a layer and then show me how that would look. And it was really cool. Oh, it was really ooh, neat. that's
0: really smart. I like that a
1: lot. Yeah, it was awesome. I think she was using Procreate or some really similar software. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the things you can do with technology these days. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um my friend got a little chicken, which was chicken. awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they're healing. And we spent so much time on the subway that day that we were just, like, covered in dirt. And I wear like light wash jeans, and the jeans uh-huh. just have not come clean yet. I yeah, have washed them they're already. Toast, man, they're ruined. They're <laughs> gross. And my phone case is—it's like a silicone material, and it's just dirty. It's terrible. Yeah. So I need to order a new phone case. So yeah, it looks like you dropped your phone
0: case in the desert, but it just I was know. on the subway
1: for too long. It's so gross. <laughs> Um, It's so gross. It's so concerning. I know. It, yeah. Ick. Ick. Um, sometimes it's easy to forget how dirty New York is, Mm -hmm. but it's not great. My lungs. (laughs) And then on Sunday, we came in and we saw Eileen together and went to the movies, which was amazing. And then we went out for margaritas and tacos. That was a fun time. My favorite.
0: Yeah, that was an awesome time. I love a Sunday matinee and then lunch and
1: drinks after.
0: It's perfect. perfect.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it was awesome. What else did you get up to on the weekend? Did you do anything fun? Aside from seeing me and hang out with me? Oh, I went and hung out with my other best friend.
0: (laughs) Godzilla. Godzilla. (laughs) amazing um, yeah on saturday i went and saw godzilla minus one because mm-hmm. i was hearing a lot of rave reviews for it and it was a really fun time <laughs> um i was telling i was telling will about it uh because i saw a tweet by someone Jeez, i should save these if i think i'm gonna say them out loud but <laughs> it was a tweet by some guy on twitter and he was like okay it's time it's uh time for me to go see Godzilla minus one tonight, <laughs> a.k.a. going to hang out with the boys, because it was like me and 50 men in the
1: theater. Amazing.
0: And maybe like two girlfriends that yeah. got carted along, but I was like absolutely the only woman who was there alone oh gosh. to see her best friend Godzilla, so that was really fun.
1: That's so fun.
0: Yeah, it was a good time. It was the first time I've seen... Well, actually, that's not true. It's the first time in a long time I've seen a Godzilla movie in a theater mm-hmm. with the like original score. ah, And it was extremely powerful in a theater setting. It's one of my favorite film scores of all time. And I think they did a really great job of applying the original score to Godzilla minus one at all of the right points. And yeah. so I was living for that. It was great.
1: Yeah, that's really neat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, it holds up. Yeah, what that's a piece great. Of you usually don't yeah. see like a franchise like that really do do well, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even know how I would describe it because it's such a jigsaw of a franchise because obviously there was multiple eras yeah. of the uh, original Japanese films and then... Roland Emmerich tried to make one in the 90s, mm-hmm. and now there's a new American franchise starting up, but then there's also a parallel Japanese, maybe franchise, maybe mm-hmm. not franchise that's happening, and that's what Godzilla Minus One is a oh. part of. So it's a, was made by a Japanese filmmaker, and it's in all Japanese language. It's much more oh. similar to Shin Godzilla, cool. if you've seen that, um, as opposed to like, the current American ongoing franchise that has now become
1: intertwined with King Kong, which is just absolute <laughs> insult to Godzilla. Oh, no. Yeah, I haven't seen any Godzillas. We should have a movie night and watch Godzilla. We should have done that when we were in Maine. Oh, yeah. I'll have to... I know
0: HBO Max has a whole uh, Godzilla collection going yeah. back to like the 1954 version, so... I'll have to revisit some of the OG ones and see what we can intermingle. But definitely, I think Shin Godzilla is probably my favorite modern rendition. Cool. It's been
1: a couple years since I've seen that, too. So who knows? Fun. What would you pair with a Godzilla watch? Like, what snack and what drink? At the theater or at home? At home.
0: At home. Good question. What snack and drink would I have with a Godzilla film? Hmm. <laughs> Let me seriously consider that for a moment. Okay. <laughs> and you can cut out the dead air. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to think of all the different associations of, like, watching them as kids mm-hmm. and or updated versions and or any parallels. Okay, I have one for you. Okay. <laughs> this is great. So, <laughs> this is more of an honorary. Uh-huh drink and snack combo, I would have to say the perfect viewing accompaniment at home would have to be saltines and Coke from a (laughs) two-liter bottle Okay. in honor of my Uncle Scott, who is the person that got me and Corey interested in Godzilla when we were kids, and his go-to movie day at home snack pairing is saltines and coke so I love a saltine. I would say
1: in honor of Uncle Scott that's what I would go for that honestly sounds perfect I think that yeah. I'm gonna try that the next time I watch a, a classic film absolutely there you have it thanks Uncle
0: Scott thanks Uncle Scott <laughs> he's an influential man perfect
1: I love that I was trying to think of what a good pairing for Eileen would be and it would be candy and vodka yeah <laughs> yeah yuck (laughs) candy vodka and a
0: cigarette just yeah absolutely a cigarette we do not recommend you smoke cigarettes (laughs) i recommend you smoke cigarettes (laughs) i'm gonna put the explicit symbol on this episode so that children can't listen this is rated M for mature, because <laughs> I'm giving you the mature content, which is just, smoking looks really cool. I'm sorry. <laughs> it uh, does.
1: It does. There's a lot of, like, smoking inside in that movie. That yeah, looks really. Yeah, I know. Sweet. You better
0: believe it. I'm talking about Eileen, the 2023 film today, and at the very top of my list of pros
1: <laughs> is that there's a lot of smoking in this movie. I feel like recently you brought up another movie and you were like there's just a lot of like dark rooms with a lot of smoke.
0: hmm so I, I think, think it was, it was a-
1: like that. I believe I was talking about
0: In the Mood for Love, which is ah. one of the best smoking movies of all time. That is
1: true. I did watch that after you recommended it.
0: Yeah. That's absolutely pinnacle of smoking movies, perhaps. Um there's yeah. so many good choices, but that's
1: definitely up there. Yeah. That's definitely Do you think me- it was That was the one? Yeah, Yeah. that's definitely the one.
0: Oh, man. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I'm talking about Eileen this week. This is the film you and me and our friend just went to see, Mm -hmm. and I was really amped and excited for it because they cut together an excellent trailer, and it just looks like something that was right up my street, and turns out it was. I freaking loved it. It was a blast. It was a great time. And I was originally going to talk about May-December, the new Todd Haynes film, uh, because I saw that at Lincoln Center last week, but then it hit Netflix and now everyone and their mom's talking about <laughs> May-December. So I think people have it covered. Mm-hmm. Charles Melton crushed it. The rooftop scene is my favorite scene. We can talk about it at some <laughs> point if you... End up seeing it, cat. I'd yeah. love to discuss it with you. It is absolutely uh, rife for commentary. It's a thorny movie that everyone should see and think about. I loved it, but yeah, it it's amazing. gotten it's gotten a ton of traction and and chit chat. So I think those bases are covered. And I want to talk about Eileen because not enough people are talking about Eileen. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> this is a film that was directed by William Oldroyd who is a director I wasn't familiar with before, mm-hmm. but from here on out, I'd love to check out all of his stuff because uh, I enjoyed Eileen so much. Mm-hmm. It was written for the screen by Luke Gerbel and Otessa Moshvie, and it's based on Otessa Moshvie's novel from a few years ago of the same name. Mm-hmm. And it stars Thomas and Mackenzie and Hathaway, and your friend and mine, Shay Wiggum.
1: <laughs> what an introduction!
0: <laughs> and this story takes place in the in nineteen sixties Massachusetts mm-hmm. in absolutely the dead of winter. This is a very wintry film, which. I think very much added to the overall tone and feel. You can tell everyone is freezing their ass off the mm-hmm. whole time and there's snow on the ground almost constantly. It snows pretty dirty. It's pretty realistic and the bleak, wintry, cold vibes definitely added to the entire feel for the, for the film. So the setting was appropriately chilling and in the setting, we get introduced to Eileen the main character who's played by Thomson Mackenzie and you see that she is a young woman who is appears to be steeped in the, the repressive milieu of a mid-century small town life and she lives uh for the most part a pretty lonely life. she doesn't really interact with a lot of people other than her co-workers at a local prison uh where she works in the secretary pool, or at home where she lives with just her father, who's played by Shea Wiggum, who's is a, I believe, forcefully retired police chief. <laughs> and he is a, just a fascinating character mm-hmm. in that he I mean, he turned in one of my favorite performances of the year, I think. Oh. Because Shea Wigum, as Eileen's dad, is just so consistently <laughs> awful <laughs> and just really thinking out of the box in terms of ways he can insult and degrade Eileen oh my in deeply personal <laughs> yeah. ways. But like the commitment, the commitment to his cause, I really admire.
1: <laughs> That's one way to put it.
0: <laughs> Even though it's awful, I found it Admirable and at times borderline comical how committed he was to (laughs) just being a shitbag to Eileen. Yeah. He was absolutely off the handle, and I loved every second he was on screen. (laughs) But anyway, Eileen, yeah, so she leads this life that you can see. She's feeling pretty repressed a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. whether it's emotionally at home or sort of, like, sexually repressed out in the world. Mm -hmm. And... She has a kind of unremarkable, monotonous, lonely existence until a new prison psychologist is hired on at the prison, and the new prison psychologist is played by Anne Hathaway, and she is this glamorous, vivacious new presence in Eileen's life, mm-hmm. and she Eileen is very drawn to uh, I, Anne Hathaway's character as this new... Stimulus, Who's exciting mm-hmm. and represents maybe a turning point for Eileen becoming a more interesting and fulfilled woman in the world. Mm-hmm. And we see their relationship sort of bloom and deepen while we also watch Anne Hathaway's character take on new initiatives in terms of how prisoners are treated and, uh, I guess, considered at the prison, which is interesting in the background, but, uh, clearly the introduction of Anne Hathaway's character shakes up Eileen's world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one thing that I thought was really important for my experience in loving this film was that I had not previously read the book before seeing the movie. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's excellent as well if you've already read the book, but for me in particular, the suspenseful elements uh, of the film throughout really worked for me. I did not predict where things were going mm-hmm. at a lot of points, and I really enjoyed observing the trajectories of each of the characters and not knowing who I could trust at any point in time, mm-hmm. or often didn't know what people's motivations were, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that dovetails with not knowing who I could trust. But I thought the sustained suspense was both thoughtful and strategically employed, and I thought that was a really artfully done uh, job by William Oldroyd in terms of maintaining that suspense and kind of passing the ball of suspicion between different characters. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, in terms of big things that I loved, big pros, I loved the tone overall and the bleak, wintry vibe, plus all of the smoking really <laughs> added to that tone. Mm-hmm. Loved that. Um, I already said I loved Shay Wiggum as Eileen's dad. Absolutely off the chart performance. Loved that. Um, I also loved that the overt suspense and like psychosexual thriller elements Mm -hmm. were I think balanced very well with a lot of interiority. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things left unsaid and opportunities for reading subtext in this movie that I really appreciated. You're not really hit over the head with a lot of messages Mm -hmm. and I always appreciate having room for interpretation or room for reading in on my own account. Yeah. And I enjoyed that a lot. And I think the very, very end, which I won't give away, but the very final scene I think is a perfect example of a scene in the movie where there's, I think, almost no dialogue whatsoever. But just from reading the look on characters' faces and remembering conversations they had earlier in the film, I knew exactly what they were feeling and exactly why they were feeling it. Mm -hmm. And I thought the final scene was the perfect ending because nobody said their feeling out loud and explained why they felt that way. I already knew. Mm -hmm. And I loved that the director trusted me as the audience to infer and understand what that conclusion for that character was. And I just love when the audience is trusted in that way. That yeah. means a lot to me. And I absolutely love that, especially in like the finale of the film where you might feel really compelled to hammer home a point and make yeah. sure people get it. I love it when like people have the balls to be like, you can read into this yourself. Mm-hmm. I know you can do it. And so I loved that. Um, I thought that was an excellent choice. And I also loved that kind of everyone in the film was pretty mean. There was a great line. I wish I could remember it. But I think at one point someone says, this is Massachusetts. Everyone's angry. Yeah. And I was just like, absolutely, yes. I love that. I love, there's just like so much a genuine representation for that era where people didn't give a shit about anyone's, like, feelings as young people, mm-hmm. and they just talked to you <laughs> however they felt like talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something about it. It really worked. And overall, I found it really compelling. I laughed at parts, and the rest of the time I found really suspenseful. Yeah. And it was just genuinely... A dark time that I deeply enjoyed.
1: (laughs) What did you think of it, Kat? I liked it a lot. I thought about it a lot after we Mm -hmm. watched it because I'm kind of a post-watch digester where I do a lot of my deciding on a film in the next like day or so. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed it. I would really like to watch it again and pay closer attention to – like now that I know kind of where things are going, pay more attention to Eileen's character in general. Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely correct in the fact that they kind of don't give you early clues on who you should be trusting, which I Mm -hmm. think is wonderful. And I think that contributed a lot to me feeling like the movie was such a quick watch. Um, It's like a little over an hour and a half probably, but It felt like we were in the theater for 30 minutes because I was so thoroughly um, captivated by the world that was being shown to me and the characters that were being shown to me and just kind of trying to figure it out. Um, Yeah, it was a perfect mix of like suspense without being like, I'm on the edge of my seat. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like it was suspense without being uncomfortable in that suspense to me. Um, More of a slow burn type of suspense, but I still really very present. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just beautiful. Like the, the shots yeah. were gorgeous. The beach is some of my favorite, like with the car kind of like smoking yeah. a little bit and she's sitting out and watching the beach. I think that that's one of my favorite scenes. Also, mm-hmm. I loved the choice to make the title card like really feel – vintage and Very like a vintage. movie from like the 60s it was wonderful um it like the font that they chose the mm-hmm. way that they like introduce the character's name on the screen i'm a big fan of that i think that more movies should like introduce the um the actor's names on the screen and then do like a formal title card it is one of my favorite moments so mm-hmm yeah, I
0: totally agree. I thought it was shot beautifully. Uh, the cinematography is by Ari Wegner, mm. and they did an awesome job. I thought it looked amazing. Yeah. I was reading some background on it because the way, the, like, the texture of it looks really lovely like film, but mm. it was actually shot on digital, mm. but they were very mindful in their choices that they made. To try to keep that texture yeah, and feel of film, I which I definitely appreciated. Like, it's a, it's a film that feels cold mm-hmm. because you're in a freezing Massachusetts winter with a bunch of people you can't trust. <laughs> but the warmth of the visuals is really present. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely enjoyed it. And I think the strategic use of... Of smoking cars and smoking people and uh, weather effects all really added to that lovely layered texture. And yeah, it was gorgeous. And I also loved that typeface for the credits. Yes. And uh, the title, very cool, very
1: fitting for like a pulpy novel from that era. Yeah. And also, I remember like the final note of, like, when the title card was displayed at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, like, on a kind of boom, and I don't know. That just felt very old-fashioned old, old fashioned yeah. to me. It was amazing. Just go for it. <laughs> I loved it. I I was really impressed with the stylistic choices that they made, for sure. Yeah, I loved it. I hope a
0: lot of people get to check it out as it becomes more available. I think it showed at Sundance earlier this Mm. year. So I remember hearing good stuff about it way back at the beginning of the year, but I hope it picks up momentum again now, because I definitely think it deserves a lot of attention. Yeah. Thoroughly
1: enjoyable, for sure. Yeah. Check out Eileen. So I'm not talking about a movie this week. I am talking Mm -hmm. about The Good Place, which is a TV show um, that ran from, ah, dang it. Oh, dang it. I accidentally just closed out of all my IMDb tabs. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, wow. Really? It ran from 2016 to 2020. According to IMDb, 2020 feels quite late, but I guess so. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, when I was in college, I had watched, I think, the first two seasons, and then it was, like, coming out still, and I had kind of fallen off the wagon. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I revisited it a couple weeks ago and watched it all in one week because the episodes are like really short and um, just easy to kind of go through. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. I remembered really liking it when I was younger and I'm really glad I revisited it. It's hard to like talk about the show as a whole. So I'm going to focus on all of the first season, except for the last episode Because in the last episode, you get a nice twist, which is Mm -hmm. fun. But basically, the show opens on Eleanor Shellstrop, who has recently passed away, and she is being admitted into the good place, which is basically um, like what you would think of as heaven. And upon being admitted to heaven, she is very confused and concerned because she was not a good person on earth. And there are context clues that have told her that they think that she's someone totally different that did all of this humanitarian work. Mm -hmm. And so she feels like an imposter and she is freaking out. And coincidentally, she is told that she has a soulmate and her soulmate is a a moral philosophy professor. or mm-hmm. was a moral philosophy professor in his life. And so she tells him, I don't belong here, and can you teach me how to be a good person so that I don't get caught? And throughout her time in The Good Place, she meets a couple of other characters, Tahani Jamil and uh, another character... Jason. I forget his name. Yes, his name is Jason, but he goes by another name initially. But I forget. Um,
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's okay. (laughs)
1: That's okay. (laughs) I forgot. Um, And it's funny on this watch through. I was like, wow, the person who plays Jason looks really familiar. And Mm -hmm. so I looked him up on IMDb, and he was actually recently in. Nine Perfect Strangers, he plays the- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One the, of the attendants. Yeah. And he was so good in that. So I'm really happy to see him uh, continuing to do television and knocking it out of the park. Is his name Manny? Manny Jacinto? Yeah, that's him, right? I think Yeah. I think that's how you say it was his last name, but I'm not sure. Um, and it also stars Ted Danson um, as the- creator of the good place neighborhood that they all live in so he like has designed all of the houses and things like that for everybody there Mm -hmm. and i love this show i think this is going to be a pretty short sweet description but i think that if you haven't seen it at this point you should definitely check it out it's really light and fun to watch while still um Giving you like really nice connection with the characters and really meaningful things to think about in terms of confronting your past self and trying to improve as a person. And it's really satisfying to watch Kristen Bell's character, Eleanor, mature and grow and also slip back into old habits when feeling threatened. It's just like a character that I think a lot of people can see themselves in. And moments that they regret. And I think that um, essentially it all boils down to whether or not humans can be basically good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's lovely. And it's truly funny. I I like laugh at this show and I laugh thinking about this show. It has just really good moments that I feel like a show. hmm, How do I want to say this? It initially was meant to air on cable, and it did air on cable, but it doesn't fall prey to the normal like excessive drama that I feel like a lot of cable television felt the need to have to keep you on the hook, if that makes sense. Uh And so it's really enjoyable to watch for the reason that it's not just trying to milk it for as long as it can go. Like, it has a solid ending to the show. It's well thought out. The last season is absolute perfection. I cried a whole lot in the last season. Yeah, and I really
0: liked how they ended it.
1: It's perfect. It's wonderful. And I think that it had lots of really fun surprises throughout the show that kind of kept you on your toes and was kind of like shifting the script in a way that made each season feel new and enjoyable. Yeah, and that's true. And there wasn't, like, a moment that I didn't enjoy or, like, there wasn't any time where I was like, okay, this is getting a little old. I'm kind of ready to wrap things up. Um, it also has Jason Manzucas in it, which is oh, yeah. always a plus. He plays As a character Derek. named Derek. <laughs> and... He's hilarious and Wonderful. absolutely unhinged. Um, Perfect. And it didn't surprise me at all to find out that the show was created by Michael Sher, who also yeah. created Brooklyn Nine Nine, where Jason Mendoza plays a very similar, very unhinged character,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Adrian
1: Pimento. <laughs> um, so now I feel like I need to watch Brooklyn Nine Nine again. But uh, dude, Adrian Pimento's wardrobe is. So good, I have to say. <laughs> it's amazing. I can't disagree. I love Jason Manzucas. I'd love awesome. to get a beer with him.
0: One thousand percent.
1: Um, and yeah, like I said, it just wrapped up really well and I felt like it was really powerful and meaningful to me. I feel like I and I think this is common for a lot of people struggle with like the concept of death and the ending of life. And I think that this show explored a lot of facets of that that I found really interesting and just in like a very positive way. And I really liked that. I enjoyed that exploration and was along for the ride and cried a lot. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm.
0: well, yeah, it was absolutely a very thoughtful show. And it did an excellent job of not overstaying its welcome. I love it when shows yes. understand that the end of the runway is coming up and yeah. they need to bail out before <laughs> yeah. things run over. Yeah, And I think they did a really skillful job of that while still staying true to the spirit of the show and the arc of the characters. And also, I think, I guess this is... um verging onto the friend diagram territory. But I think knowing when and how to end a show properly mostly comes out of understanding and respect for the audience. Yeah. And so I think that was, um I mean, Michael, sure. He's a absolute pro. So yeah. I'm not surprised that they knew exactly when to, to wrap it up and how.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful. It's streaming on. Netflix right now so go check that out yeah it's such an easy smooth watch yeah uh absolutely and the episodes are only like 20 minutes each and they -hmm. just go by so fast and they're wonderful also Ted Danson rocks I love He's him. He's so good. I
0: love him. How could you how could you not love him? He's amazing. I love amazing. All of
1: the cast. Like the yeah. um person who plays Janet is really incredible. Janet is Is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like about self-awareness, like gaining self-awareness mm-hmm. and becoming better people and yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's great. And I I love I love the idea that if given proper resources and good people to surround yourself with, that you will become a better person. And I Mm -hmm. just love that concept. And I love where the show went with that concept. And I think that in general, I'm the kind of person that always wants to give people the benefit of the doubt and wants to try to like understand why people act the way that they act. And I think it explored that in a really... Um, thoughtful and moving way which is great yeah while also being funny which is hard to do yeah while also being funny
0: yeah all right you want to do our friend diagram proper now yeah i think so okay what do these two things have in common
1: i wrote down that the foundation for good place is that eleanor shellstrop is like a really bad person and you see her do and say shitty things throughout her life in like flashbacks. And Mm -hmm. I think that the same is true for Eileen in that a lot of the main players in that film are not traditionally good people and are very like self-motivated and cruel in certain times and places.
0: Mm Mm-hmm yeah absolutely and i think especially focusing on the first season of the good place i think there is definite overlap in not knowing who you can trust from moment to moment so i definitely felt that throughout eileen just because it's like a thriller by nature and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information skillfully withheld from the audience but uh the same is true of the first season of The Good Place as well, there's a lot of information being withheld from the characters and the audience. And Eleanor is put in a situation where, because she thinks she knows this one piece of information about herself being misplaced Mm -hmm. in this setting that there's a lot of paranoia about being found out and who she can tell and who can help her and who might know and out her and a lot of general distrust throughout.
1: Yeah. I have a couple more
0: if you want the time to think. Uh, Another one I had is that in Eileen and in The Good Place, uh, your central characters have to spend time confronting their true natures Mm, as mm. people so in the good place confronting one's true nature is generally used in a constructive way whereas in eileen confronting one's true nature Mm -hmm. often leads down a more destructive path but at their core they both spend a lot of time looking inward and examining what People have done and what that means about them as people. Mm -hmm. And those court questions are definitely uh, common between these two pieces. Both of them are easy watches. They flew by. Yeah, you are right. Um, Yeah, you mentioned that your experience of watching both of them, they went by very quickly, Mm -hmm. uh, much faster than you might think just looking at their runtime on a screen. Uh, And I think that definitely comes down to like skillful storytelling, great direction, good editing. It just kind of slips by without you even noticing the passage of time. And that all culminates for both of them in really fitting, really well done endings where the creators of the pieces clearly had a lot of respect for the respective audiences. Mm -hmm. And tailored that
1: ending properly which is very satisfying for both pieces yeah i was trying to think of like a way to tie in like a good motivation for doing potentially bad things where there's like a certain amount of rule breaking Mm -hmm. that is done in the good place in order to improve the system and contribute to a greater good Mm -hmm. Um, even though it potentially endangers their, like, safety and, er, own survival in the afterlife. This is, like, from later seasons, but there's a decision that Anne Hathaway's character makes in Eileen that is motivated by a good, a good motivation, but is carried out in a way that causes a lot of trouble for her and is one of, like, the major thrillery aspects to the film that I don't want to spoil, but does that make any sense? It does make sense. Actually. I think
0: that makes perfect sense because Anne Hathaway's character in Eileen, in the capacity of being the prison psychologist, she wants to improve the system of Mm -hmm. how uh, people that have been incarcerated in the prison are treated in terms of, what types of mental health support they're getting, but mm-hmm. also just how they're treated in terms of their dignity. The, their dignity and their case history, mm-hmm. essentially. And so she definitely has a lot of ideas on how she wants to change that system, but sometimes they do
1: turn out to be risky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, good one. Yeah, I like Eileen a lot. I think mm-hmm. if you can see it in a theater, it's definitely worth seeing while it's there Mm -hmm, definitely what is on remy's radar coming up oh boy well you know i'm really excited for
0: poor things which is coming up very soon mark ruffalo mark ruffalo can't wait to see him what else is on the radar zone of interest is going to be the following week Mm -hmm. cannot wait for that Uh, i'm gonna throw myself down a flight of stairs after I see that probably it's gonna be worth it though (laughs) um there's some other films like kicking around that I haven't been able to fit in yet like the holdovers and the sweet east that I want to check out if possible Mm -hmm uh american fiction is coming up soon oh. some more
1: time with jeffrey wright which i will never turn down he rules i'm gonna make my mom and my aunt go see that when we're home for christmas i think yeah and then eventually all the strangers in ferrari mm-hmm. which maybe maybe cory and i can go see ferrari when mm. i'm back home in pennsylvania i think that'd be fun yeah that looked really good I hadn't seen the trailer for that yet until we saw it in the theater the other day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, Adam Driver's in this? I'm in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm down immediately. Absolutely, Absolutely, yes. Sign us up. Michael Mann and Adam Driver? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Of course. What more could you wish for? What more could you ever want? (laughs) Yeah, that looked really good. And it's been a while since I've seen Shailene Woodley in anything as well. So I'm... Excited to see her back on the screen. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about like the resurgence of like teen actors mm-hmm. doing like weird franchises and then coming back to the to the big screen and succeeding.
0: I saw her in a movie earlier this year with Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, really? I think it's called To Catch a Killer.
1: Oh. And
0: uh, it was pretty good. Oh. Not bad.
1: You know I love Ben Mendelsohn. I know you love Ben Mendelsohn. Cool. I should check that out. I think it's on Hulu. Yeah, she was in Big Little Lies. I guess she was really yeah. good in that. I liked her yeah. a lot. She was really good in that.
0: I'm trying to think if I have any other
1: scripts and scraps kicking around. Mm. Saltburn? I don't think we've talked about Saltburn on the pot at all yet. I mentioned that I went. Oh, did you? Before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you didn't but want to give anything away. Yeah, because you hadn't seen it I yet. Have. But now you've seen it. I have seen it, and mm-hmm. I liked it. I would yeah. watch it again. It was a fun time. It was a fun time. It was a hard watch, but I found it less stressful <laughs> than Parasite. Um, Scott oh, yeah. said that he found it more stressful than Parasite. So. That's insane.
0: I know. I didn't find it stressful at all. I just didn't like what Barry Keown was doing in that bathtub. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bye for now.